Hello everyone and welcome back to Make Better Wedding Films, home of new ideas for radical films about people in love. My name is Ben, I will be your host. And before we get into the show, just got a couple of announcements from our sponsors. First of which is Musicbed, the best home on the internet for music for your films, hands down. Musicbed are amazing. They've got all the best music. They've got incredible playlists. They've got incredible tools to help you search for music, whether it's by genre or by key or by feel or by whatever other means. They've got amazing ways to do it. They've also just recently added a whole plethora of famous classical composers to their roster. So Vivaldi, Bach, Mozart... If you've ever wanted to use famous classical music in your wedding films, now's the time to jump on Musicbed, sign up with the promo code MBWF, get your first month free, and let them know that we sent you, which helps out the show. Our second sponsor is Studio Ninja, the world's leading studio management software for photographers and videographers. Studio Ninja helps you automate all your boring admin so that you can spend your time on the things that matter, on creativity, on building community, on networking, on the stuff that you want to be spending your time on. You can get 50% off your first year when you sign up with the promo code MBWF50. And again, it lets them know that we sent you, which helps out the show. All right, everyone, that's enough for the announcements. On to the episode. Sometimes the thing that starts out as helpful support can turn into overwhelming noise. Echo chambers, unhelpful advice, and toxic opinions can start to weigh on our confidence as creatives and as business owners. On today's show, I'm sitting down with Caleb and Elaine from KEJ Productions to hear their perspective on when to listen, when to stand up for yourself, and when to block out the noise. My name is Ben, and this is Make Better Wedding Films. Caleb, <laughs> Elaine, kia ora, no mai, hi to mai. Welcome to the Make Better Wedding Films podcast. Nice to have you guys on. Thanks. We're stoked, man. We're like I'm so happy we've to been, be here. We've been waiting for this podcast for a while, and like honestly, we got your email, and I was like, oh yeah, life's been happening, and it just like reinvigorated my yeah new uh, baby excitement. trying yeah. to adjust to parenthood, and so I was mm-hmm. like, yay! Like I would love to talk about. I don't think we've been on a like a podcast we've maybe done a few like you know mentoring sessions and stuff but we haven't been on like a podcast talking about life since yeah, it's interesting <laughs> since our life changed so yeah, we're still life to changed. Be here. yeah <laughs> amazing i mean yeah it's like it's a whirlwind right you know the baby comes along life changes you got to reinvent what work life balance looks like to you and it's a whole lot oh, yeah. of learning mm. Oh, yeah. It reinvents yeah. everything, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yes, today um, we're kind of going off the like, Usually on the show, I like to kind of like have a really regimented kind of like uh, topic that we kind of stay within. But I'm kind of excited today to kind of like cover a whole bunch of different stuff and kind of just like, I don't know, shoot the shit with you guys and just and just talk about some awesome stuff. Um, but for anyone who I'm sure people are up to speak with who you guys are, but for anyone at home... Do you want to give us the quick um, cliff notes on who KEJ Productions is? And we'll, we'll go from there. You want to go for <laughs> rock, paper, scissors? 
Uh, I'll go. <laughs> so we are Caleb and Elaine. We are husband and wife duo based now in Denver, uh, Col- Denver, Colorado. I almost said Denver, Florida. <laughs> Lord help. We're in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so we started our business in Orlando, Florida about seven years ago and um, kind of started the way a lot of, I feel like, wedding cinematographers start. You know, we were kind of filming our vacations like casually and doing these like terrible GoPro edits. And then a friend saw one of those terrible GoPro edits and was like, what? You do video? It's always the GoPro that starts it. You know, we still have it. We should probably frame. I don't even think it was a three, bro. I think it was a hero two. So it didn't even have like the stabilization. It was awful. (laughs) But someone hired us off of that. And um, yeah, and we we did one wedding for a friend and edited it. They loved it. And they're like, you guys, you guys need to do this. And I was like, you know, I think we could do this. This would be a pretty dope side hustle. And then from there, like built a website connected with, you know, our local Orlando community. And I have to shout it out to Central Florida because they were absolute champions for us at the beginning. And um, really, our name just spread through word of mouth. Yeah. I think through all that time, too, like, we're very big people. People? People, people. (laughs) People, people. We like people Um, (laughs) and relationships. Yeah. So, like, I think that um, we were able to connect with a lot of our own wedding vendors, like Mm -hmm. our photographer and our planner. And, you know, whenever we first started, you know, putting our toe in, we were like, should we do this? Mm-hmm. And everybody was super encouraging and really pushed us to um, to start doing this. And mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah, seven years later. Um, at the time, we were we met at Walt Disney World. I know, collective. Oh, <laughs> so yep. cute. We were audio engineers at Walt Disney World when Caleb and I met, and so we always had like working together as part of our dynamic. And always knew we wanted to work together. We actually thought that KJ would actually be a production company, which is why it's KJ Productions and not like something flowery like KJ Films. Um, but we kind of just fell into this and was like, wow, we actually, this is like taking off. And then we both ended up leaving our full-time jobs after like only a year. I'll add to that. I think a lot of our motivation was for us to get out of debt. Total. <laughs> In motivation. the beginning, because we still had our full-time gigs and we're yeah. doing well there. We're grinding. Um, and then, you know, having this side hustle, like, really pushed us to get out of debt. And, and man, have, like, us- some flex money. Like, we were traveling mm-hmm. like crazy. And then all of a sudden, just didn't have time for anything yeah. else. <laughs> Amazing. And so what was the shift to Denver? Like, when did you guys do that? Yeah. So I grew up here. And... um I think we always knew Florida wasn't like the forever home. And so um, we had been trying to have kids forever. That's actually part of our story as well. And so when we finally got pregnant, it was like, well, moving to be closer to the grands. (laughs) And at that point, our business had already turned into a destination only um, company, really. Like we still go back to Florida quite often, but it's more so more than central Florida. It's like all over Florida and South Carolina and New York. And, and so the shift to Denver was like, whatever, we can kind of live wherever we want now. And really that was a shift primarily for our little one. Interesting. Amazing. I like, because 
I think a lot of people probably think of destination as like um, being quite hard for families, but the fact that it allowed you to pick up your whole business and shift states and, you know, get closer to family and not have to kind of like start the wheels turning from scratch again is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And scary and crazy. Yeah. And obviously very scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think we took a long time processing you know because we did have a lot of friends there we had a lot of community there and that's one thing that um which is cool about the wedding film industry is like now our community is kind of like nationwide and worldwide and you know like yeah. so it's it's so it's i feel we found comfort in that mm-hmm. um with this this mm-hmm. market yeah, yeah with our with like all of our people mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah amazing and so with where the business is now and stuff and how you guys have sort of developed it over time, like what's, you know, the KEJ Productions client for you guys now and like what sort of films are you making for them? Have you guys sort of got that wrapped up quite tightly in your head or um, is it still kind of evolving throughout time? I'm going to put a lot of people at ease with this answer. At least I hope so. <laughs> because when we first entered the business, everybody was like, who's your ideal client? You need to know who it is. Where do they shop? And da-da-da. let me tell you something. <laughs> Our client, it, I, I can't put a finger on them. Like We serve so many different types of people. It's like when when people ask me that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's it's whoever wants their story told, really. Cause I think our style, like we're not, we don't really, you know, do any tricks or they're like at the end of the day, we just tell stories. And I think people from all backgrounds see that in our work. And that's what they hire us off of. Yeah. I'd say like for anybody, including the three of us, like we just want to be known and we want to be seen and we want to be understood. understood. Mm-hmm. And I think we spend a lot of time trying to understand our client. And whenever you do that, it's, you know, it could be anybody, mm-hmm. you know, it can be any client out there. Um, From any background, any class, any race, any gender, like that's the thing that's really um I love about our portfolio. That sounds silly. Like I love our people. They're all so different. Um, and we don't force anybody into our style. That's, yeah, I think that's like, the answer. It's like we don't story? force anybody mm-hmm. into what we are producing for them. We just, we sit back and we watch and most importantly, we listen. Mm-hmm. And whenever you do that, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it keeps it fun too. Mm-hmm. Cause I, for us, like, well, me, I can get bored very easily and um, I just don't want the same client every mm-hmm. time. I like that. I like, cause this is something I'm thinking about a lot at the moment. Cause I'm like, I'm doing a lot of mental sessions on, on branding and finding client. I myself am, am looking at um, like just refining and refreshing and sort of, yeah, refining my own brand within wedding films. And like, I'm like you, Caleb, uh, I get bored easily. <laughs> I get bored all the time. Dye my hair pink for no reason. You know, shit like that. I, I, <laughs> I, I, and I'm sort of trying to find this this nice, authentic balance for myself where, like, I want clarity in knowing the kinds of clients I want to serve. But at the same time, I don't want to just end up 
so narrow that you just book the same person again and again and again and again and and, and you lose that variety and you lose that depth. Yes. Um, so it's just, it's a fine line that that yeah that you can strike. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'll add to that like whenever we're honest with ourselves and like who we want to be and like how much we pour ourselves into our business, people f- looking from the outside in are going to see that and they're inevitably going to want to work with you and mm-hmm. because you're like-minded because you have that idea. So I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to try to find that client. And honestly, you could just focus internally and expect that people are going to be looking at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys find that you're ever like butting up against different like values or, you know, if if you're, if you're sort of drawing in a, a wider group of people, are you having to do more sort of checks and balances to make sure that the people whose stories you're telling are like kind of, you know, you're, the kind of people that you want to be be working with? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's very few and far between when we're at a wedding and I'm like, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> like, There's always something I can find throughout the weekend where I'm like, there it is. Like, that's what I want to show in <laughs> this film. Because especially now, like, and it's interesting, like as our, you know, pricing has gone up. And with that, the clientele kind of changes. And sometimes the values kind of change in that as well. I'd say 90 to 95% of our clients still, you know, um, wants, still sees purpose behind the wedding, if that makes sense. Like the things that are really lasting, like they understand those things. Very, very rare that I walk into a wedding and I'm like, this is for the show, right? <laughs> you know, they're, as Caleb mentioned, like people want to be known and they want to be seen. And those things don't necessarily rely in material things, even if you're having a million dollar wedding, you know? So I think it's, it's rare that I walk away from a wedding day and I'm just like, you know, I, I honestly can't recall a time where that happens or maybe I just ignore yeah. it <laughs> for yeah. the sake of the all your, all your probably, yeah. All your probably um, filtering those people out earlier in the process. That too. Know? Yeah. That too. Especially if you're working with planners. I love it. There's one planner that we work with. She knows who our client is. You know, like even if they're having a million dollar wedding, she won't just send us like someone that she's going to send us people that really want the deep stuff. And I love that about that planner. Um, She sends us people that she knows are going to want to talk to us and know who we are. So, um, yeah, as you said, the the ones I'm not thrilled about do get filtered out Mm -hmm. by me, by our website or by the planner, which is great. Or a tiny human that dictates everything. Yeah, or we need. Well, that too. <laughs> um, I like what you said there around like the couples who want the deep stuff because like that's something that I would use to describe your, your work. It's got like a very deep kind of rich storytelling to it, um, you know. And and so uh, I'd love to sort of hear from you guys how you feel like your storytelling has sort of developed over the years and how you think it's, it's sort of evolved and changed. I'll start while Caleb's pondering. It's a lot more patient. I'll say that. I th- I feel like our filmmaking in general has gotten a lot more patient. Um, and 
way more selective. Since I don't want to do films that are 20 minutes long, it forces me to pull things that are great among the good and put them in a six to seven minute film, as opposed to I'm going to do this awesome transition and this stutter effect da, 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 because like, oh, I don't want to leave this out. It's just like, yo, you're going to be leaving stuff on the cutting room floor. So I think um, as we've matured as filmmakers and really begun to study the craft, we've learned how to hone, hone in on that <laughs> and really be selective as to what goes into the film and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and to your word, patient, Mm-hmm. There's sometimes whenever Elaine will just will be in the edit, and she'll just stay on a daggone clip to the point where I'm just like, you can feel it in your stomach that it needs to like cut, and she'll stay like ten frames longer and go for it. And then whenever you look back at it, it's just beautiful, and it and it's cinematic and it's it's musical and but it has to have purpose. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's one thing that we've learned over time is just being purposeful with everything, even filming on the wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about it every single wedding. Like, what are we going to do better? Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's something that we've talked about in a past wedding, it's like, I need to do this better. We need to reiterate. We need to like, keep on trying to grow. Um, which I, trying to grow is like, a, I feel like a cop out over the time, but like patience and yeah, just purpose. Mm-hmm. I like the word patience. Because it's like you 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 do develop that kind of maturity to to let things breathe and not just go like bang 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 and and like I want to cram everything in so we'll make all the cuts really really short. Um, but I do I do want to I'm 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 going totally off script here, Elaine. I'm going to drill I you on the subject because 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 <laughs> I'm this is something I'm thinking about right now. It's because I feel like there's two things that are happening um, in weddings right now. Like post COVID, I feel like a lot of couples want more fun, but I also feel a trend towards films going longer because people want to like relish those, these memories. Um, and you spoke before about like leaving things on the cutting room floor. How do you feel about th- that versus say just making the film? longer what's that sort of thing you know how does that feel for you you know keeping those memories away from couples at the expense of making a kind of more uh solid condensed film versus the idea of just making the whole film longer oh yeah oh i can Mm. speak to that um what comes to mind is um a film we made for uh, that they've become dear friends of ours now, Jacqueline and David, and we journeyed with them for three years. So we filmed their engagement and then we went back, COVID happened, and then we filmed their intimate ceremony and then we filmed their celebration, which was all three years, you know, a year (laughs) apart. We owed them like a seven minute highlight film. It was 12 minutes, 30 seconds. It's the longest film I've done. How do you do it? Yeah, I had to, to honor. It always, this is what it comes back to, honoring them. I had to honor them and that weight that they had and the turmoil of, you know, delaying and then having a celebration. And really, it it goes back to what serves the client best. If making a shorter, very rarely does it result in me making a shorter film. 
because I want to give them what they paid for. But if it means me spending another several hours in the edit suite to give them another minute, because what this bridesmaid said is really, it, it really means something. And it's going to mean even more to them as time goes on, then I'm going to give them that minute. So it always goes back to honoring the client and serving the client well. Um, I could have made Jacqueline and David's film 10 minutes and it would have been a banger, (laughs) banger. But man, I knew how much they valued storytelling and I knew how much those words meant to them. So I just gave them the, the several minutes on that film. Um, I, we talk about this pretty like yeah. when we're in the edit every single time is the questions are, does the film honor the client and is it better than the wedding day? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we found that like even honoring our client doesn't mean we have to give them more footage in the edit. Mm-hmm. Honoring the client can mean that we're giving them the appropriate wedding film that yeah. we thought was appropriate for them and was better than the wedding day. Um and then quite honestly, I mean, for us, we're our standard collections, we're delivering them documentary edits. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the stuff is going to be there. Um, and if it's not there, then we can, you know, we have legacy footage, which is our version of raw footage that is very cleaned up. So like we give options for all of that. And we tell our clients, like, we probably didn't use 80% of your footage. Mm-hmm. And for that, they're like, well, then we I need legacy footage. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's kind of a, it's a selling point too. Yeah, because that's definitely something that I'm I'm thinking with, and and not just like taking for granted. Because it's like I've I've sort of I I worry about taking the format for granted. It's like we sort of I've a step. I, you know, I when I first started making weddings, wedding films like ten years ago, that were these like three to five, maybe seven minute long films set to music, and that's how long they were. And I've just accepted that that's what a wedding film is for 10 years. And I'm now going like, what if it is 20 minutes? What if it is 15 minutes? You know, what if it is 45 minutes? And it looked <laughs> very different. But like, is yeah. that going to be, is that what people want? I don't, I don't know. Because the, couple, the, the couples and clients don't necessarily always know exactly what they want. That's what we're here for is creatives. Yep. But yeah, I always like to just, I don't know, just keep just keep pushing that question on like what yeah, what is serving the couple, what is actually going to be best for them. So yes. got the yes. that. yeah, yes. that's why I'm um I'm, I'm drilling you guys for it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> now, when it comes to coming up with ideas for you guys, storytelling and stuff, um where are you filling up your creative cup from? You know, like what, what gives you guys inspiration? Where do you look to for new ideas? Where do you, you know, sharpen your knives, your, your mental knives per se? What do you guys do to kind of, you know, freshen up the editing, filmmaking, creativity juices? I could definitely say that, uh, self-care and like uh, hobbies and things like that is where I gain a lot of mental space to start thinking creativity creatively. Um, uh, because you know, we, before summer, we were on a stretch of like a million weddings. I was gone every single weekend and it was just, just, it's sucking the life out of me. Um, and I felt towards the end of that, I was just like, 
man, did I film this as best as I could have? Mm-hmm. And um, and some of the an- some of the time the answer was no. Like I, I didn't film it as best as I could have, but I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have the mental capacity. I didn't have it in me. The the films are still wonderful, and I had great support from other second shooters and stuff like that to help me push through. But that was a big hang up for me. And once we got through with that, I was like, Elaine, I was like, I need a week off. I just need to like do nothing. And so I think I played video games. Mm-hmm. I probably did some woodworking. <laughs> you played guitar. A lot. I played a lot of guitar, yeah, and of um, and that opened my mind up um, and gave me space to be able to think and like. It's it's wild. Like I would just be sitting there and be like, "Oh, that would be so rad in a wedding." Mm-hmm. Like I just in my head, like thinking about setting up different ways for a couple to experience their wedding mm-hmm. where they remember it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I would say, yeah, self care for me was a huge thing uh, to help stay creative. Yeah, I feel like I it's easier for me to tell you where I do not get creative energy. <laughs> and similarly, similar to Caleb, it's like, if if I need to be refreshed for an edit or an upcoming edit or an edit I'm in, I don't look at any screens. Like, like any screens. I don't go to the movies. I don't watch TV. Or if I am watching TV, it's something, it's like alone or something like like something so not weddings you know um definitely don't watch other wedding films i can't tell you the last i I can't remember the last time i watched someone else's wedding film that wasn't mine especially after this last year because as caleb said it's just been back to back to back um but honestly especially as of late really the last couple of years i've drawn a ton of inspiration from my family um there was a point where a, a couple of years ago for instance my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary and i looked back at their story and i actually ended up doing a film for them as well and that i mean totally revolutionized how <laughs> I approach wedding days, how I tell stories for my couples, the offerings. Like we didn't used to even offer anything like raw footage, but after creating that film for my family and discovering all this super eight footage that had been locked away for decades, I was like, what? We could be doing this for our couples. We're giving raw footage because I, I now understand how valuable that is to We're a family. Offering what did raw I say? footage giving. <laughs> Oh yeah, offering now they pick up that junk. Pay for it. <laughs> it's a lot of work, homie. But it's uh, a, uh, and talk yeah. after talk about the elevated process of like yeah. But so it it I'm making this answer way long. I'm greatly inspired by our our family. Greatly inspired by my daughter, especially now that I'm seeing how quickly her little life is just like flat. Like, I'm like, what? I have a one-year-old, like you were born two seconds ago and just seeing how quick that goes. So, um, I'm, I'm greatly inspired by, by them. Amazing. I love that. It's refreshing to hear that like conscious step away, like from, especially from screens, from the kind of barrage of information we have thrown at each other and, and just, going back to really, really intentional, singular kind of tasks and focuses. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Because that's, again, one like one of the um, uh, 
catalysts for me for like tr- trying to trying to refine my my brand and my like identity as a wedding filmmaker is like since doing the podcast it's there's a millions and millions of pros but one of the cons is i just end up looking at a lot of wedding films which as time time and time again i hear from people is not good if you want to stay actually unique and creative and 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 like and inspired um, and like, I do get inspired by the people's work, but at the same time, it, it can get a little muddy with like ha- taking in that much inf- information over time. So it's nice to hear um, the benefits of th- that. Just like stepping away, intentional time, um, and taking a breath. A couple more questions on, I guess, like just your creative process when it comes to storytelling and stuff. Is I'd love to know how you approach just like laying out the film. And whether it's a collaborative process between the two of you, whether you keep it quite separate, like what's your process to kind of like finding the story, finding the film? We definitely always and continually uh, listen to music for our weddings Um, uh, to the point where like on music bed, Elaine and I are and Jordan, we all have our own like playlists and where it's like Elaine's back pocket, Caleb's back pocket. And there's sometimes like Elaine will be like, I've been waiting on this film for seven years. Here we go. And she already <laughs> knows the song, you know? Um, so I think foundationally uh, we start with music and then Elaine just, she does her yeah, thing. From music, we go to words. I don't even look at the B roll <laughs> before uh, crafting a film together. Unless there's some, unless the portraiture is like out of this world, I'm kind of looking at, music what was said at the wedding and like or not portraiture but um moments kind of all at once to see like what really speaks to me especially if i wasn't at the wedding that's that's kind of how i approach that um and then from there again i don't land any b-roll unless it is like insanely <laughs> like a yeah we're building if moment. we're building it around that yeah, yeah my timeline starts with music and words that's it And I will typically have my entire, you know, seven to 10 minute timeline laid out with no B-roll first. And I'll sit on that joker for like three days (laughs) before touching any B-roll. And I feel like that's where we kind of, we're collaborative. We're collaborative in music. Um, Then Elaine will take over the edit for the story. And like she said, if she wasn't there, I have to fill in that gap of being like, Mm -hmm this is a huge moment that happened that day. So maybe we should think about that moment plus music plus words. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where once we are listening to the timeline together, listening because there's nothing in the timeline. We're just listening. And it's very collaborative. Like I, there really aren't any egos <laughs> over here. You know, like I am constantly bouncing stuff off of Caleb. He's constantly like asking me for input and then I'll straight up go over to my sisters who has does nothing with film and be like, watch this. Does it speak to you? Yes or no. So very collaborative. Yeah. And it sounds like quite um, intuitive to find that balance. Cause that was my next question is like, how do you guys feel like, like, w- like w- when do you feel like the story's done or the story's right or the pieces are in the right order? Cause that always something for me is, is, is I, as an L as a part of the process that I kind of struggle with is just like backing myself that I've got everything in the right 
order. It's like I, like I can know like the, this is a good bit, this is a good bit, this is a good bit, and then you kind of get your, get all your pieces in a row. Do you ever just like cataclysmically reshuffle, you know, things of the day, or like how do you feel like you've kind of like got it got it locked? <laughs> can I can I give an answer sure, to this? Sure, yeah. Um, I don't think it is ever locked, especially yeah. in Elaine's brain. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that um, what we've been doing recently, because you know we're always trying to grow, we've been doing a lot of the documentary edits prior to the full edit or to the highlight film. Mm-hmm. That way, we hear everything. What. I think we get stuck on and what why we shuffle a lot and keep on trying to build something is because we don't know what all is there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we started doing the documentary edits first is because for our business, we're now required to like spend weekends with people. And over those weekends, there's so many toasts that happen. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be like open toasts and all this stuff. So we're just like, how the hell are we going to do this? How the heck are we going to do this? Yeah. And the doing that documentary cut first helps you kind of set up a hierarchy of like what's most important. And for me as an editor, again, like starting with the words, like I can hear you. Here you go. I can listen to my film and tell you if it works or not. I don't even mm. need to see B-roll. It's like if I'm pulled emotionally, and I think this is how I decide where moments go. If I'm pulled emotionally and the the words and the music are just screaming for a moment to be placed in a certain spot, I'm not going to move the moment. Chances are I'm not going to move it. Um, and there are other things. I, I think we sometimes get hung up like, oh, do I put first look with dad here or do I put it later? And so, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. Things like, you know, the primary entrance into the ceremony or, you know, a toast that that made, a, you know, the groom cry or, you know, the bride's daughter that walks into the room, like things like that. It's like you need to land those and they need to be like in the right spot. And I feel like you kind of know that as an editor instinctually once it lands I'm just not going to move it. And some things you just have to submit to, man. Like, can I let the listeners know? Like, some things you just got to let let it live so you can go on and live your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've had edits like that, too. Where I'm like, if I don't just let this live, I'm going to be in this for six months. And ain't nobody got time for that. I'm usually the person to <laughs> help her get past those moments. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like um, like Peter Jackson says, a, a movie's never finished. You only ever mm-hmm. run out of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it, when it comes to, again, Elaine, I want to go back to that phrase you threw out around, like leaving things on the c- c- cutting room floor. This is a concept that, I, that, that always interests me in terms of, because I like to sort of make sure that my films have, uh, equal sort of balance between like high energy and they're kind of like not low energy, but they're kind of like more uh, tear jerky emotional stuff. And like, do you guys ever ensure that like sort of equal weight is put on like types of emotion? And even if there's a great moment, do you kind of make sure that like the film's not feeling too bogged down with like really intense, heavy emotional stuff and like you got to like drop one of these emotional moments for a slightly less good 
high energy moment just to kind of make sure that everything's sort of balanced or is it more just about like if it's good and the wedding's about that make it that oh yeah oh man i feel like there was an example recently where we were talking about this um yes so a cut that that's such a great question um several years ago we had um a bride whose mom passed away just months before the wedding day in a really tragic way. And I remember going into that wedding be like, I don't, man, how are we going to, how are we going to manage this? And, and on the wedding day, I remember, you know, we took a lot of care and really watching the family and seeing how they would navigate that. Like, how do they balance grief and joy and all those emotions that come with it? And I remember being in that edit and also reviewing the notes and knowing, okay, I'm going to honor this mother because that's they honored her at the wedding day. They said her name a lot, like the the father got up and spoke the mother's name. And so I was like, I'm def I definitely definitely need to start off the film that way and honor her within the first minute. But we can't stay there. Like the film still needs to be about the couple. This the film still needs to. Be, to be about joy because there was joy there, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think for us and, and our branding, I think about that a lot. Like I kind of try and swing, sorry, I keep hitting your, I I try and swing between like, you know, grief because there often there's some grief on a wedding day and joy and humor too, man, humor can play such a great role in our films. Um, so yeah, I think about that often more towards like, I don't want to sit in grief or a uh, loss for too long. Like there needs to kind of be like that fall off into joy, if that makes sense. And I, I think too, like we've been given a lot of those stories mm-hmm. where there's grief. I mean, at least three that I, I'm thinking of immediately and all have happened here recently. And it's always, it's not like, like, it's like the week of kind of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's cool is that, and you said it, there's always joy within a wedding. So you can find your, you can navigate your way back into there. I think it just takes a lot of boldness to yeah. to sit in the grief. Um, and yeah. I think that's one thing that um, we do or we try to do as well as we can. And what that means is we can't just keep it between ourselves. Like there's, that's the times when we're like, Hey, uh, we'll reach out to some other people who are in the industry and be like, tell us like, we don't want to be too heavy handed. Does this honoring, like we want to make sure that we get eyes on it before we release Mm -hmm. it to a couple. That way we're make sure that again, it's, we're taking that step to be able to honor our client. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) being bold and like, it's risky. It's risky. It is risky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if you get other eyes on it, people can really help you think this through. And there's mm-hmm. be some times where we shift some things and make it uh, to where it's not too heavy mm-hmm. um, and that it gets to joy as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, I find it really interesting that we, as I too have had actually surprisingly a large amount of those sort of situations crop up within my weddings too. And I find it quite, quite interesting that we happen to have approached it effectively the exact same way where like I wanted to honor it. And so I put it at the start, but I was like, I'm deliberately putting it at the start so that we can like address the elephant in the room, 
process this and then take a breath and then leave it behind and enjoy the rest of the wedding without it being just like this cloud over the whole thing. I think is important for for videographers to hear who, who it might be in a similar situation where that is a big part of the wedding. It's, you know, it's spoken throughout the toast. It's like, it's there throughout the day, but I think not putting that throughout the whole film, I think is, you know, because it's like, even though it was scattered throughout the whole day, people actually want to kind of compartmentalize that part of the memory and not have it sort of be, you know, across the whole thing. Amazing. A um, couple of things on, on editing uh, before we come. I think this is going to be a long episode, Tim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to quickly touch on sort of, I guess, a, a slightly more technical side of, of editing before we go to break and we start talking about some other things. Um, and that's, efficiency in editing efficiency and workflows you know because we, we, we've talked quite holistically around storytelling t- and stuff and and giving things time to breathe um allowing creativity like space for cr- creativity and stuff and i think one of the tools to allow that is making sure some of the more quote-unquote mundane parts of our editing process are as efficient as possible so we're not wasting time on just in a, you know inefficient bottlenecks in our process. So, what are some of the things that you guys have done to sort of like, you know, e- efficientize, make more efficient <laughs> your editing workflows over the years? Yeah, we do the mundane stuff first. That's like the the biggest advice I could give a new videographer is please don't try and do your creative edit first, because God help you if you finish your creative edit. And then you have to go into documentary films and do long form. Like that is, that is the worst kind of hell in my, in my opinion. Or God forbid you struggle through the edit oh my and gosh. then have to and do. And then have to go back into it. So like we knocked that stuff out so fast. Like documentary films. I know a lot of people outsource them. We don't outsource any editing because as Caleb mentioned, the documentary film actually fuels our creative films because like once we know what's all there it's like okay i know what moments i i need to prioritize and i like set up my hierarchy hierarchy um but apart from that as far as places that we don't spend a lot of time surprisingly like once the storyline is in like i had mentioned once i land music and story the b-roll goes down in like a day generally like you know as you're working through and doing color grading and sound effects you may swap full moments here and there um which once you get to that point that's a lot easier but like as far as like the good content like it drops in quick if i spend the appropriate amount of time on music and story and getting that locked in yeah and then i would say just from uh the workflow and really it's just organization. We are as organized as we can be from importing our con- our SD cards into a folder structure. Like we are very adamant about everything being as organized as possible because when we do get story and music locked down, we can't be just, you know, I, mean, oh, I know I saw that clip somewhere. I know I needed that bride but I just, I guess I go in the time of the, the timestamp and try to find it or something. So for us, like, because we're in uh, Final Cut, um, 
we have like just our folder structure like really locked down for every moment of the day. Um, so part of our workflow is like, I'll go in there and I'll f- look through every single clip, favorite it, put it into its folders. That way, whenever Elaine is in that. And the one thing, the reason we, one of the reasons we do this is because Elaine's brain like works faster than our computers most of the time. <laughs> and so for her to have to go and like try to find something, um, it'll Gross. break her out of it. And then like it, it kind of tanks your creativity. So organization, I, I would drill that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I like that. I, cause again, there's something that I hear again and again from more, uh, um, established editors, shall we say, is like, is that I think a lot of people start off like with like these sparks of inspiration and they'll just start at the beginning and just start to pull things in and just build it almost like a 3D printer prints something out. You know, just like, just, 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 they'll just start and they'll just start, just start making, they'll just start making shit. And it can be amazing, but it can also be very inefficient. And then when you get to the end of that whole process, like, it's like the start will be fast. You know, you'll lay down your first minute of your film super quick. And then it's like, you like run out of steam. You're like, oh, fuck. You yeah. get to like five yeah. minutes and you just like start, just, just start throwing shit at the wall. Um, <laughs> but what I've hear from you guys, how I approach it, other people, you know, Grace from Bottle Brush, all these people I hear who've got a real sort of structure to their editing is like they approach it more like how you build a house where you just ac- ac- across the whole project in stages. And it's like you do all the boring shit first and all the shit that no one sees first. But before you think about like furniture and paint and decorating, it's like we're going to lay out all our foundation and we're going to like figure out where all the rooms are going to go and then we're going to, you know, do everything just in stages methodically so that when you do come to like, you know, paint the interior and lay down the furniture, it's nice and quick and you barely have to think about it because you've already made all the decisions and laid out all the, and got rid of all the kind of uh, roadblocks yep. ahead of time. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it took, sure. it took I, a while love- for me to learn that like intuitively, but in hearing it from, from other f- filmmakers, it's like that seems to seems to work. Me I think too. it's it's perfect for yep. what we're doing. Yeah, I feel like if yeah, any new filmmakers out there, just think about it Building foundationally and yep. then up. Unless you're not a, in construction or know anything about it or don't know what foundation means, you probably shouldn't be editing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, that, that too. Um, amazing, cool. Well, um, okay. Well, team, I think uh, now's probably a good time to take a little quick little break, and then when we come back. We're going to get into sort of some very different sorts of topics. So let's do that. All right, we're going to take a break, pay some bills. Back in a second. Studio Ninja is the world's highest rated studio management software. It contains a huge suite of tools from calendar integration and double booking warnings to contract templates and automated client workflows. If you want more time to focus on the creative parts of being a wedding filmmaker and less time on admin, then why not take 50% off when you sign up with the promo code MBWF50 and get your first year of Studio Ninja for as little as $125 US. We are back. So um, now we're going to change tact real quick. Um, We're going to start to talk about sort of just some more macro industry scale types of 
intense things right now. Um, and to kick us off, I kind of want to hear your, the story from you guys about how a couple of um, audio engineers from Disney World come wedding filmmakers decided to sort of go back into the world of audio education for wedding filmmakers. Where did that decision come in? So, <laughs> I okay, I'll start. Education has always been something that was just really passionate. Um, just a passion, I think, for both of us. Um, when Caleb was, Caleb only worked for Disney like for two seconds, the time we met, and then he was like touring the world, <laughs> doing audio and front of house and production management and all that, all that stuff. Um, but throughout that time, I feel like you've always been in leadership roles and teaching people or training kind of like the next person to come up and, you know, kind of fill shoes. And similarly, while I was at Disney and kind of climbing up the ranks there, um, I was just always in a position to either teach audio classes at Disney or I'd be mentoring, you know, some other women in, in the audio field because there's not a lot of us there. And so um, it, it's just always been a passion of mine. So um, when we stepped into the wedding industry, um, to be quite honest, we were like, we need to get some audio education out because we were just reading a lot of wrong info. <laughs> just a lot of bad advice. Like, uh, and not just bad advice, just like straight up wrong stuff. From like people I, of influence too. Yeah, like we'll be posting stuff. I'm like, what? Who told you that? That is not. That is not true. You know, I feel like with uh, editing, you know, it's such creative work. Like so much of it is subjective. Man, a lot of audio, pro audio, it's is objective. There's physics. there's it's yeah, it's like physics. It's electron. It's ones and zeros. Like and it's signal flow. Like a lot of that stuff. It's like you just need to know it and and do it right you know and so and that doesn't account for your ear like you have to to sound good too yeah have the knowledge also and listen listen, learn and learn how to listen and so a lot of that like caleb and i had amazing mentors in and out of disney and um so i was like man i I would just love to get this information into the hands of wedding filmmakers because they're you're not just a filmmaker you have to know audio that's the one thing that separates us from photos so learn it you know and so we chose to step into the void because there wasn't anything out there (laughs) yeah um and i'd say too like um we had a lot of audio mentors yeah but we also like reached out to a lot of people in the industry and like just talked it up i mean and when we first started in like like who are we you know mm-hmm. like we had we're to not have, an authority you, on you know this. we're not like, an authority no on the subject mm-hmm. now i think we are um which is is pretty cool because now we can actually speak actual truth about audio and and try to help bring edge uh, like bring up people to know how to be confident in audio, mm-hmm. um, which is, 
I feel how like- to speak to it a band engineer, how to go up to a DJ, you know, I, we've had people email and be like, yo, I taught this DJ how to work their gear. And I'm like, that doesn't surprise me. Like, cause there's mm-hmm. so many people in the wedding industry that just do not, you know, faking it to make it, which in some respect, I, re- I, I respect that. But in another sense, it's like, yo, let's learn how to do it. And so since, since branching out into that world of education and and sort of I guess making yourselves more connected within the greater kind of like wedding filmmaker industry and stuff like how is that how has that been for you guys what have you kind of observed like sort of taking that sort of that one step back and looking at like the wedding film, filmmaker industry as a whole and and observe you know observing Obviously, you had the sort of you know, obvious critiques around audio, but were there any any other sort of things that you guys holistically were like, things could be done better? <laughs> <laughs> I think in the recent years, like technology has gotten way, way advanced in the audio world. Um, and so it took a lot of people... Uh, it took a lot of people some time to... Or they it just reiterated that audio is hard mm-hmm. and that... Um, from a whole standpoint for the wedding and just film industry, people still haven't figured out audio. Uh, people get a, get away and people, a lot of people, this is what it is. Everybody wants that one button fix, fix. all. And there just isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a lot of people um, comparing uh, um, audio to like video aspects, color, color grading, grading and stuff like which that. Which kills me. And, and it's just, it's just not, true like it's just not and like you can you can visually compare it saying like oh yeah if you pull the highlights down on this clip it's kind of like bringing all the eq from the highs down and it's like no it doesn't work that way like you're doing a lot of 32 bit floats gonna fix everything right (laughs) Right? (laughs) but i do feel like there's uh from a just a broad standpoint now the education is starting to get out there and now that we are becoming more of an authority on the subject we can graciously step in and be like, okay, yeah, but no, it's not, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. And just try to like, just be kind and and help people out. Mm-hmm. Were you also asking from like the industry as a whole, not just like audio? Yeah. Cause I think like uh, there's something that when you step into the world of education, it's like you suddenly are much more aware of like what everyone's doing. And like, as you guys have become you know, much more of a household name within the wedding film filmmaker industry. Like, have has that changed from when you kind of first started going, oh, yeah, we're going to make wedding films to sort of today where sort of, I guess, you're probably much more across, like, the wedding film industry as a whole. Like, what have you been some of your sort of, like, observations of the yeah. industry? You know? Um. Again, I hope this is an answer that puts newcomers at ease we're all wrestling with the same things like imposter syndrome doesn't suddenly like go away when you land you know what's the benchmark like your first five figure (laughs) booking you know what i'm saying or you know you don't suddenly stop chasing instagram numbers the minute you cross 10,000 followers, which is why 
I couldn't tell you <laughs> what our following is. Like I realized, I remember when I was like really purposely growing our Instagram account. And I was like, I just need to get to 2000. Now I need to get to 35. Now I need to. And I was like, wow, it just never ends. And the minute that Instagram gave us the capability to link to stories, which is the only reason I wanted 10,000 followers anyway, I was like, oh, they're giving everyone that now. Okay, bet I can chill. Like it just became so overwhelming. So I, what I've observed now that I guess people know us. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm still introducing us a lot, which is a wonderful thing. I hope that never ends. But I just want to let new people know, like, yo, we're all wrestling for the same things. Like when your bookings are slow, chances are mine are too. Like it ebbs and flows. You know, mm-hmm. it's like feast and famine, even when you're making buku dollars and you get those major bookings to be quite honest it's even slower so like count the blessing you know if you're in that market that like you're getting increase every week like that's a sweet market because like you're booking a lot faster than than those that are like at the top of the market i kind of want to speak to like because i think a lot of people like sort of i guess look at the other i don't know what what every other wedding videographer and and is is doing and they do have that imposter syndrome of like am i good enough should i be charging yada 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 um going back to what you were talking about earlier around you guys being like people people what do you like how do you guys interact with the or do you at all really interact with like the wedding filmmaker industry from like a people standpoint? And, and is that a benefit or, a, or, you know, to, to you, I guess, cause the reason I'm asking this question is in our initial context about coming up with the, the format for this episode, you mentioned blocking out the noise of the industry and so I kind of want to like drill down on that because that's something that I've again grappled with around like in the early days of finding Facebook groups and being like, hurrah, finally a community of people I can talk to. But then some of those feelings turning a little bit sour and, and those, and those, that community, that networking suddenly not doing for me what it once did that's a very long-winded way of of getting you to expand on that little phrase you mentioned of blocking out the noise of the industry yeah i um so i'll just speak on social media a little bit um and kind of like my journey (laughs) like within the last two weeks on that um, there's so much noise in the in the industry and it's loudest in the Facebook groups. So like if that really affects you as a filmmaker, either leave or mute it. Um, I think there's only like two groups I'm in and they're both muted unless like a friend of mine that I know personally posts in it. I know that's an option in Facebook. That's like really the only reason I'm even going into those groups or if, or if someone tags me on something specific. Um, 
And I set it up that way specifically going back to us being people people because like, of course, I'm going to respond to my friend, you know, if, if they want me to engage personally, but like people that don't know me personally, like, you know, like, I don't care what your opinion is. Like, have we had a real life conversation? You know, and I say that in jest, but also it's like, I do that to protect my own mental and creative space, you know? Um, But I know like, for instance, on Instagram, like I am queen of the DMs, yo. Like I have great conversations in my DMs every day. And it's especially recently, because like this last year, I'll be straight up honest, like this last year was weird for us. (laughs) Like We got placed on like this, you know, luxury list. And all of a sudden, like our increase started changing and it kind of swapped from being like very client focused. All of a sudden, all these planners I didn't know were reaching out to us. And I was like, what is going, like, what is happening? And because of that, like there was kind of this pressure to change like our marketing, like, and how we showed up, like how we presented ourselves on social media. And I'll be honest, like the last month I kind of just broke. I was like, this is garbage. Like, this is not who we are. That's not our brand. Like, folk need to know it's a black person and a Mexican guy like behind this. Yeah. <laughs> a Mexican man, black woman behind this brand. You know, like, how come all of a sudden we stopped showing up on social media? Like, because of fear? Because I needed to market myself the same way, like, everyone else? Like, that, that's noise. So, I made the choice, like, to just kind of block it out. And do what we know, which is be ourselves. Um, And so in the last week, like, I have honestly, like, had the best time on social media. Um, Because now it feels like we're posting out of, like, overflow, like we used to, instead of obligation. Like, everybody's in this, like, having a really rough time with Instagram right now with reels. Everybody feels obligated to do reels, which I mean, that is the way to grow your Instagram, but like, and I don't know, maybe we'll see success with reels and maybe we won't, but I know for me, whether I do reels or I do stories or I do posts, like it's going to be out of overflow. It's not going to be out of obligation Mm -hmm. because I'm tired of that noise. (laughs) It's just noise and it's cluttering my life. Oh, that was a long answer. I'm sorry. I'm glad you got it out. <laughs> I am not on social media a lot, so I don't have a lot of these issues that my wife does. <laughs> um, but there is, um, from like the imposter syndrome part of this, I think Elaine and I have a healthy knowledge that we don't know how to film very well. Like we film well, but not like the tops, you know, like the people that... So here recently, I've been able to go and second shoot, third shoot for a lot of companies. And um, I've gotten to see that my friends deal with the same thing that I do. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure that the same thing that you deal with is the same thing I do. And we all have these same insecurities. And like, we're all nervous about the same things on a wedding day. And like, that was such like life to me. Yeah, so for me, um, blocking out the noise in like social and Facebook groups, 
is pretty easy for Elaine. It's it's a lot more complicated. Um, what I would do to encourage people is to um, maybe go to some conferences. Go to that's where we've met some of our best friends in the industry. Um, and it doesn't have to be like the best. It's like it's just people who are like minded that are in the same industry. And the one thing that we don't get as a community um, or as filmmakers owning our own businesses is we don't get like workspace camarader- camaraderie. Um, and I, I've missed that about working at Disney or being on tour. It's like, I'm with these people so much time that they know me and I know them. And so I have been really just trying to build relationships with my, the people who I'm working against, like my my competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's brought a lot of life. Like I'm not competing against you, man. Like we're all getting weddings and people aren't going to stop getting married. So it's like, there's no real competition there. It's just like encouraging people, referring out people. Like it's whatever we can do to become a stronger community. I like that. I like that a lot. And I can, because you can see that in all sorts of things around the world, like things getting smaller, people like going back to community, um, trying to like move away from this like big kind of like, everybody doing everything global kind of mentality to kind of a more uh, smaller community mentality. Um, and cause I going back to what you're saying, um, Caleb around like searching for that camaraderie that as you know, owner operators, we lack, you know, we're not in an office surrounded by peers doing the same thing that we can vent frustrations to that. We can shoot the shit to that. We can um, share our victories with, and so that's where those Facebook groups filled that void, right? That's what they were to start with. And I think they've stopped being that. Well, they certainly did for me. They might still be to others, but it stopped being that for me. And it, and so I, I have certainly, like you, Elaine, have found that community now in the DMs, like having like those one-on-one conversations with people Um Yes, they're not directly in the flesh opposite me, but being down in New Zealand, I'll do what I can. <laughs> like yeah. DMs are, as, are good for now. And obviously that's one of the primary reasons I do the podcast. Um, and so you do, so I guess that would be one piece of advice to people is to is to if they're feeling if they're feeling the ick to start to reach out for the genuine one-on-one connections to actually just make friends, have conversations, be friends with people, whether it's in DMs, whether it's locals in your area at local meetups. I I see that happening a lot too. These like local meetups in in cities and stuff, which is awesome. Um, But kind of as we could, Oh, sorry. You, you jump in on that. I was just going to say without Mm. expectation, um, reaching out to people and just saying yeah, happy yeah. birthday is, mm. is just as good as, or mm. even better than trying to talk gear or trying to break the ice, you know, yeah. um, something that, or it's like, Hey, I saw you painted your hair pink. That's mm. freaking cool. Mm. That's it. That's all you got to do. It doesn't have yeah. to be something crazy. It's just a personal feel. You Authenticity. Know? Authenticity. Mm. Had a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Actually, that is one of the, one of the nice parts I do find of of Instagram is that low barrier to entry that you can start the, because, because I'm an introvert. I suck at starting 
conversations. Mm. I need frameworks, whether it's whether it's inviting people to sit down to a podcast or frameworks like Instagram that allow you to do a simple little emoji response to someone's story that then might spark a conversation organically. Um, absolutely, no expectations. Not trying to get anything out of it. You know, not going into it like a fucking business card swap networking event. You know, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because people can smell that shit a mile off. If you, yes, if, you're, if you just want, like, hey, can you refer to me to your next wedding that you're already booked for? Like, no, fuck that. Like, yeah. you know. planners see that too. By the way, yeah, yeah, yep. good point. Um, amazing. Well, team, um, to kind of like round off the episode here. I mean, I, I would love to kind of basically just get your guys opinion on I don't know like what do you think the wedding film industry kind of needs right now if people are like because I, I do feel like it, it's in this funny space where like there's a bunch of stuff that no one's super happy about like Facebook groups are kind of weird the pressure to like do reels and stuff is weird it like what do you guys feel like holistically like winning filmmaking needs right now? I would say, I don't know how whole, well, no, it is holistically. I think Um, one thing that we, and this week have talked a lot about and talked to a lot of people about is diversity, Um, diversity in the wedding film industry and uh, any aspect of the industry in all industries. um, It's diversity. I think, um, you know, we fill <laughs> Elaine and I fill a gap in the wedding film industry, and, and we're not the only ones. And we're so not, like, which is frustrating. Man, and we need some more voices, like new voices, new voices. That would be my answer. New voices alongside diversity, like yeah, yeah, and and just like fresh talent i don't know like i i feel like i'm in this season right now and as i said earlier i don't watch wedding films in part because i can kind of always like especially if it's someone new i can kind of always pinpoint like who they're modeling their films after you know um like i won't even name drop it's not like you you can think of like the top five people you know and it's like oh you're trying to be so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so and you end up looking like a cheap version you know so like i'm just like ready for like some fresh just some fresh ideas you know and maybe maybe that's too much pressure and we all just need rest you know haven't spoken to a single filmmaker that doesn't want a vacation Mm. um so i definitely think we just all need rest, you know, and and I think we need. I don't know if you need permission for that. I'll be the one to tell you to take a day off, <laughs> go outside. Well, I mean, even to that point, like in serving our clients and serving other vendors, like if we're not completely um, or holistically taking care of ourselves, how can we expect to honor our clients? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like they're sucking the life out of you because it's all you can do. You're giving and giving and giving Mm -hmm. and you never receive any of you like 
um, anything to help you produce for these people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good answer is rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like after COVID and everybody took that long break, and we 20, did stuff. Twenty one and, like, and twenty two was nuts. It was crazy for us. It was yeah. nuts to the point where I like I, I never never like said it aloud, but I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. This isn't fun to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, it's like I'll go pick up another gig. I will go <laughs> do something to to make sure that our family's taken care of. Um, but once I do get rest, I'm like, oh, I'm reset. Let's do this thing and. Mm-hmm. I'll work another string of seven weekends <laughs> and then hate everything. And so, yeah, I think that's a good answer is holistically rest mm-hmm. across the industry too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good answer because I think a lot of us are feeling that burnout from the kind of the, the pendulum swinging back after COVID. Yep. It's like it's, it's swung away. Everything shut down. Everyone freaked out. We all hashtag diversified. And then, the pendulum swung back. Everyone went went was fucking busy. Basically, all of us got burnout, um, and we're now we're trying to sort of recalibrate. Um, so yeah, I, I, rest is a good, uh, it's a good piece of advice. Yeah, and one last thing, I would love to um, get your guys' opinion on. Going back to what you're talking about, diversity and stuff. Why do you think the wedding film industry in particular isn't as diverse as our literal sibling of wedding photography? Because I can look at the wedding photography industry and instantly know that it's way more diverse than the wedding filmmaking industry. Yeah. What are you guys sort of like thoughts on that? I think both areas could use work. You know, I do think wedding, you know, photography is... Um, a little more diverse, but I think maybe in part because they're just ahead and they always have been ahead, you know, just a little bit more in the spotlight. Um, and I, it could Even specifically be just, in regards to, to gender. I'm talking about like, if, like for yourself, Elaine, as a mm-hmm. female videographer, yeah. Cause like the, you could, you could pick a million female photographers out of your hat instantly. Yeah. No shortage. For some reason, female yeah. female videographers are are less common. Do you like? Yeah, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. I think it just takes. I, I, it's one of those things you just have to be intentional about and finding. I remember um, one of the first workshops we went to. And uh, I showed up and it was like 50% women. I was like, oh, see, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> like we are out here. So like, why aren't we being spoken to? You know, <laughs> like how come everything is like catered to dudes? You know? So I think part of it is you just have to be intentional. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, building your portfolio. It's like, it's not going to be diverse unless like you kind of put some intention into it, you know? It's not going to be diverse if your, you know, community and the people you surround yourself with uh, isn't diverse. And like kind of going back to the forums, it's like the women are in there, but if you're not engaging with them, it's like it's going to feel like it's all guys. But we in there, we're reading stuff, you know, like I remember early on, uh, just as an example, 
like this girl posted. She was like, hey, I just want to know like what the, this is a very basic example, what the ladies are wearing to weddings. And of course, like the first comment was some dude and he was like, oh, my wife wears. I'm like, she specifically asked like ladies, like, why are you commenting? (laughs) You know, so just like, even like creating space, you know what I'm saying? Like, shut up. And just like create the space for women and minorities and LGBTQ to have a voice, you know, and I think we'll see diversity start to rise even from that, just creating the space for that. Mm-hmm. So shut up. That's what she said. <laughs> shut up shut and up. listen. The fuck up. <laughs> Again, I, I feel like that's going to be the t- title of the episode. Just shut up. <laughs> I Amazing. love it. Um, Fantastic. Well, shut uh, up and I think slow that's down. That should be the shut, shut up and slow down. down. Take a day and, off. And be patient. Take a fucking day off. <laughs> yeah. I think that's 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 the lessons we need to leave this episode with, right? Like slow down, yes. shut up, be intentional, be patient, uh, be authentic, and look for authentic connections with people. hundred uh, yes. percent. Every time. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for just taking your time, sharing your wisdom, um, making that time to have a genuine connection. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone listening at home really appreciate it. So, so yeah, nothing else left to say other than thank you guys so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing. Thank you for having us. It's truly like a pleasure and honor. So glad we finally got to chat with you. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you, man. Amazing. Alrighty. Well, that's going to do us for t- today's episode, team. See you all next time. Bye.